What's up, principals, and welcome to the Principal Crew Podcast. My name is Adam Welcome. I'm a principal. I am your host, and this is the podcast that is all about principals all of the time because that is what we do. I hope everybody has been enjoying the leadership conversations that I've been having with so many amazing assistant principals and principals around the country. I know I, this podcast is kind of selfish because I learn from my guests every single week. And I hope everybody that's listening is doing the same. And today on the show, I got a principal from Texas, and I am just pumped to have this conversation. Denisha Presley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Denisha, for the people out there that don't know who you are, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do, where you work. Just kind of give us the down low on Denisha. Yeah, so um, my name is Denisha Presley. Thank you, you've already said that. If you look at my Twitter handle, I am unapologetically a mother first. So I am the mother of three amazing um, and crazy children. Um, I myself grew up in West Texas and whew, long story there, made it to San Marcos in 1996 and um, where I went to what was then Southwest State Southwest Texas State University. It's now Texas State University. Um, graduated from there in 99 and then um, went into teaching. So I'm, I'm one of the, those rare anomalies who I've lived, um, I'm in my 22nd year in education and I have, all of my jobs have been within a 16 mile radius, except one, my first one was in a middle school. Um, and then I realized that I was called a high school, not middle school. So. From that point forward, um, all of my my career has been within a 16 mile radius of my home. So my husband and I are, are huge on providing stability for our kids. And we knew going into administration, there was a possibility that I might need to move around a lot, but we really worked to stay planted. And as they get older, now we're having, you know, different types of conversations. Um, and I have, I taught English for eight years. I was an assistant principal in the same school where I taught English. And then I went on to a different district to um, become a principal at a ninth grade campus, which was the most amazing experience. I, if anyone has that opportunity, I would uh, encourage them to take it. And then um, I went to a 6A high school that I think we, by the time I left, we were at close to a little over 2,800 students and then I moved to a smaller 6A high school where I am now, and I love it because it's where my 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 professional roots are in San Marcos. Well, well, first off, thank you for working in high school. I'm an elementary person, and I, <laughs> I always tell people, I don't know how people work in high school, and like high school people probably say, I don't know how you work in elementary. And then we got our middle school friends that are just kind of looking up and looking to the left and the right, and they're like, I don't even know how you guys do what you do. So I do think, you know, I was talking to a friend yesterday that was a high school teacher and then went to go be principal at the elementary school. And then he said at first, he's like, I, I was like, there's no way. He's like, but I love it. And I think some people can kind of go back and forth but I think I think it is hard is the college you went to I, I saw um, a, a movie about a college in 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 that area of Texas that was like state champs in basketball like 20 30 years ago and they changed their name am, am I like totally off on that I'm gonna have to find that video or that that movie it was a it was about a about a, a coach that came uh, it's a really really good movie I'm gonna find it on my on my Amazon Prime it's not okay. ringing a bell with you, so that no. mustn't be the school. Denisha's giving me a look like I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Um, I should have done some more research, but uh, no it just kind of came to me. It kind of came good to story, me. Though. So, Denisha, um, 
you know, you've said teacher, assistant principal, all these things. A lot of people that I talk to, they, they want to go, what did you do to get that first admin job? I feel like that first admin job can be the most elusive. You know, I was hustling and I was on, I was on committees and I was talking to people and I was, I was applying and interviewing for jobs that I didn't want. I was an elementary teacher and I applied and interviewed for a high school principal job and I didn't want it, but I wanted to be in leadership. And I knew that once I got, you know, my quote unquote foot in the door, I could potentially move around. I didn't get that job. I got the job I was supposed to get. Um, but what are some things that you did to get that job, to get more jobs? You know, what advice would you give to people that are really aspiring assistant principals or aspiring principals? Yeah. And you know what? You hit the nail on the head. You're going to get the job you're supposed to get. So I, I encourage everyone to apply. Let me back up. When I was in the classroom and I made the decision and it was a family decision. Like I talked to my husband. I said, you know what this is going to mean? We just had two kids and you know, we, we were, um, it was a, it was a family decision. So definitely do that because the time constraint is tough, especially in the beginning when you're trying to figure things out. Um, when I was in the classroom though, one of the first things that I did is went to my appraiser who was an our academic dean at the time. And I just told her, um, and I, you know, considered her, she's still a friend and, and I considered her a mentor. And I just said, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. Do you, you know, what advice do you have? So she and I had really good conversations and she was like, wait, we need to go talk to the principal. So we went and I talked to our principal at the time and he he just said, okay, well, you know, we're gonna get you there. And um, he would push me out to different um, type, different committees on our campus. Um, anytime there was like tech trailblazing, there was a technology trailblazing team, mind you, this is in the early 2000s, right? So <laughs> um, we, you know, he put me on that team and just really, started pushing me to um, do that. So I would advise that if, if it's something that you're interested in, go talk to someone who's sitting in the seat that you want to sit in and, um, and, and just absorb all that you can. Now, moving forward, um, you, I'm, I'm, I was like you, I applied. I knew I didn't wanna leave the school where I was because uh, again, I just absolutely loved it. And, and I did apply in other places. And it just so happens that I landed an assistant principal job in the school where I was teaching. And um, so it all, it all worked out for me. But when it came time to become a principal, I had to spread my wings a little bit and move to a different space. But again, several jobs that were not, um, not obtained and that's okay. I think you, we have to offer ourselves grace and forgiveness. And I know for me, I, I really lean on my faith to move me, help me navigate through this profession. And so um, one of the things that I always say to myself when I don't get a job is thank you, God, because I didn't need that one. And whatever you're protecting me from in that particular situation, make sure you find the right person for those children. And then I move on to the next, to the next application. Yeah, you know, what's going to happen is what is meant to happen. And I think mm -hmm. some really good advice for life, not just, you know, finding that job is don't force it. 
And, you know, there's been times in my life where I've thought to myself, I'm forcing this. If it's a job or a relationship or buying a house or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, you talked about like the shadowing, um, you know, talk to the people that are in the job that you want. And I would say too, like, take it a step further. When I was a teacher, I took a day off, multiple days off, and I would go shadow that the job that I wanted assistant principals and I would ask questions and I would see I did it for a middle school principal I was like I don't want to do this job but had great conversations it kind of makes me think of the Hamilton song in the room where it happened you got to be in the room (laughs) where it's happening speaking of Hamilton what which one what's your favorite song from the from the soundtrack do you know Hamilton do you listen to the soundtrack it is on somebody yeah, somebody's not going to like that I'm going to say this. I refuse to watch it. I refuse to be, I don't know. I don't know why I tried and I'm just not interested. All I right. know. And I taught English for, for years. Right. And so you would think, All right. surely Miss Presley wants to be a part of Hamilton in some kind of way. And I just could not bring myself to it. So I know I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to know that at some the point. internet, <laughs> hey, internet, internet, be, be okay to Denisha. It is okay if she hasn't. <laughs> If she hasn't seen uh, Hamilton, um, you talked about mentors and I want to go a little bit deeper on that. And I don't know where I would be without the mentors that I've had in my life. And I'm always trying to press upon the aspiring leaders and also the veteran leaders. I mean, I've been a site principal for seven years now and I have a mentor, Denisha. I mean, you're, you know, you've been a, a leader for a while. You have mentors. Talk about, just talk about the importance, talk about maybe the progression of your mentors in your life? I, I know, because I, if I look back, mine have kind of ebbed and flowed like a river, if you will. So what are your thoughts on, on mentorship? Yeah, I have some ebb and flow mentors, and then I have some trees planted by the water mentors. And so um, like you, I you know there, there was a principal who, she was in a neighboring district and I would go you know take a personal day, go to her campus, shadow her all day. And it was amazing because I learned so much um, and then as I, as, as my career progressed, of course, you have to look for different types of mentors. And so, um, oftentimes it's people who I work with. And so like my assistant superintendent or superintendent or deputy superintendent, they, those roles become my mentor. And even when I, when I've left the district or that person left the district, um, I have a few that I still reach out to. They were principals at high schools for eight, nine, 10 years. And so when I, when I run into a roadblock that's unfamiliar, it's not uncommon for me to call them or, or uh, connect with them. And I, I also belong to um, an organization called TALAS, the Texas Association of Latino Administrators, and they have a mentor program. And um, so with, through that program, I'm connected with a, um, he, he was a high school principal and now he's on, he's an assistant superintendent and I can call him, text him any moment and ask any question. And that's just part of the program. He can't tell me no, which I love. So, <laughs> so um, it, you know, it's amazing. And then we've even taken time off for me to walk through like, here's, you know, if should you choose to move to the next level or, or, you know, go to a different position, here's some opportunities and come, come look and see and visit with the people who work in my, you know, in my, in my space as well. So I just think it's absolutely important just to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. You said earlier that the principalship is incredibly lonely. And when you, um, 
it doesn't matter what grade level you're in. It doesn't matter what your team looks like. If you, you know, I have, I have multiple assistant principals who are there to support our students and be an extension of me. And at the same time, um, what I learned making that transition is that uh, the assistant principal and the principal live two incredibly different lives. And um, if you're in a, in a community like I am, where you're the only high school, there's only one person there who's living your life and that's you. So um, it's helpful to have someone that you can bounce ideas off of and, and celebrate with too. Yeah, you know, people think they know, but you don't know until you are in that. And I, I tell people too, like, are you sure you wanna get into school leadership? And, you know, not saying that as a deterrent, but, you know, go walk with somebody else, go sit with somebody else, you know, talk with somebody else, listen to podcasts like this, so you can kind of get, kind of get the info. Okay, so I did a little research. Um, Don Haskins, Texas Western College, which is now known as the University of Texas at El Paso. That's not the college that you went to, correct, Denisha? No, we're we're about eight hours. Texas is so oh, I, huge. I know. <laughs> People yeah, go, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're quite a ways from El Paso. I've done a lot of driving and work in Texas and you're like, yeah, okay, I got eight hours in front of me. But here's something I want to talk about. So this is a true story. Don Haskins in 1966, he was the coach of Texas Western. He got brought in uh, to kind of revitalize this basketball program. And he was the head coach and he coached a team of all black students, uh, men as the starting lineup. And the movie... Um, I haven't read the book, if there's a book or anything, but the movie does a really good job, I think, of portraying all that they went through in 1966. So that leads me to my next question about equity, Denisha, about social justice, about racial justice. Um, I mean, 1966, you know, doing the quick math, I was almost 60 years over, you know, almost 60 years ago, and we're still having these same conversations. Um, just talk about equity and racial justice, social justice where your head is, your school, your community, all the things that have happened um, in our world. I feel like um, so much has come to the surface since last May when uh, George Floyd got murdered. Um, and I would say it's about time that our country is having these conversations. It has been far too long. So um, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, just, just talk to us, talk to the listeners. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with you and say that, that um, since last May, lots of things have come to have, I don't know that they've come to the surface. I think they're on the surface more loudly. They've been on the surface. We, um, so you talk about a story in 1966. I can tell you a story in 2016, where I became the first African-American high school principal in my county. And there are six or seven six high schools in our county. And, and so if we're talking, we're like, this is 2016. Um, and so that conversation, I, I think it's time for the conversation, for us to be intentional about having the conversations. We are, um, we are continuing to do what we've always done and it wasn't working then, it's not working now. And I think it's time for us to dig deep and be uncomfortable around the conversations of privilege around the conversations of equity. Um, I am super excited about my district who is, has started like before, 
before the school year started, um, that we started having conversations about um, bringing in an equity audit to start looking at our curriculum, um, looking at our hiring practices, everything you can imagine around this conversation. And then um, just also as a team of leaders in our district, principals, directors, instructional strategists, sitting down at the table, having a, we were in a two hour conversation um, last semester and I was just at awe, like it was, it was, it was wonderful. We allowed ourselves to be vulnerable and start having those conversations about privilege and, 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 and again, being uncomfortable. People don't want to say white privilege because I think the, the, the outlying, the outlying idea is that white privilege means that I don't, I didn't have a hard time or I didn't struggle. And that's not true. One of the best, I can't think of the name of the book, but it's written by Manuel Acho. And he Uncomfortable said, Conversations with a Black Man. I, there he's it got, is. Thank he's, you. I've been waiting to say his name while you're talking, not to interrupt you, but <laughs> no, uh, you know, right after uh, George was murdered, uh, he started a YouTube channel and I found it right away. And I said, honey, we have to watch this. And I have two kids, an eight and a 10 year old. And we watched every single one of his uh, YouTube videos with my family. I think Emmanuel does a, just a great job yes. of bringing these conversations out. He spoke with an entire police department, which is actually about an hour away from me. If you go to his YouTube channel, type in Emmanuel Acho. He's actually a Texan. He, I think he lives mm -hmm. in Austin area. Yes. Um, he spoke with an entire police department just about race. I mean, everything it was so powerful. Um, his book, I've read it. It's awesome. Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, New York Times bestseller. I think he co-published it with Oprah. Um, just talk about someone that's doing really, really great work. I interrupted you, but I had the book on the tip of my tongue. So I wanted to, I wanted to go That's in okay. and interject Anisha, but keep going. Yeah, no, a few months ago, I, I, um, I read the book too. And I don't know why the title just left me. But what, what I love about how he describes it, because I've had conversation and it's, you know, I, I love my life because I get to interact with so many different people and so many different types of people with different backgrounds and we can have honest conversations. And um, what he says is, White privilege doesn't mean that you didn't struggle. It means that your skin color did not contribute to your struggle. And that's the message, right? That's the message that that is um, missing when we get to that, when we when we start having these conversations and we get defensive or offensive and um and and we want to we want to change the story. Um I I am not I am not blind to the fact that my skin color has an impact on how I can lead at times and on what jobs I get or have gotten and when and why. I, I'm not blind to that. I grew up in a space where I, there weren't, I think there were two people who looked like me in my high school. And so my, my parents um, were very diligent about saying, no, that you're not going to use that as a crutch and you're not going to go into the world ignorant to what, what it means when you walk into a, um, walk in for an interview or when you put Denisha on a resume. And um, my dad, my dad was huge about um, my hair. You, you know, at one point I, you can see people on the podcast can't see, but I have lot, dread, dreadlocks that run they, they're sitting in my lap. They're so long. And I just absolutely, it's become my trademark. So my kids said that I can't, um, I'm not allowed to cut them. <laughs> but, but I remember when my, I was wearing my hair straight for years 
And the day that I decided to cut it off, and when I started, I was teaching and I had this massive like Angela Davis Afro, like it was so beautiful to me. And, and I have this friend that used to say, you've run across the courtyard and that Afro started bouncing. And, um, and so when I decided I was going into administration, my dad, who sat on the um, school board for so long, he said, you're not gonna be able to get a job with your hair like that. And I looked at my dad knowing that he had my best interests at heart. And I told him, um, if I can't get a job because my hair is as in its natural state, then that's not the school where I need to work. Yeah, right. And so, right. And so mm -hmm. um, I have been so fortunate and so blessed that I am in a position to have the conversations and, and have the, um, the trust and influence. And again, as a nation, as a profession, we have some deep tissue work to do in terms of building a place where our students are, are, uh, are comfortable, conscious, and aware. Um, we're, we're also bringing African-American and Mexican-American studies to my school this year oh, or nice. the upcoming fall. And um, again, that's the work of my district. We're doing some really amazing work there. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to be a part of it. Well, Emmanuel, if you are listening, I would love to have you on the podcast so we can yes. go deeper, Emmanuel, on the conversation for school leaders. Because I was talking to a principal the other day about this, and he said it's there have been there's been some alienation in his district about the work that he has done outside of his job um, for social racial justice. And you know, I hope to. I'm I actually I don't have a problem with it, but I question the word uncomfortable. I, I really hope that we get to a, a place where we can just have a conversation because I, I think the word uncomfortable is real, but when we add that, people go, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, Denisha, let's have a conversation, not maybe let's have an uncomfortable conversation. And maybe it's semantics, but um, no, I, you know, you. I, I hope that, you know, I, I, I'm here for the work and I hope people that are listening uh, have conversations. And if they are uncomfortable for you, good because there is no growth in the comfort zone. If you wanna grow, if we wanna grow all of our people, the students that you work with, the communities that you serve, no matter where you are, if there is not a lot of diversity, it's okay, keep having the conversations because those people in your schools, they're gonna go out into the world and they're gonna go plant seeds and they're gonna spread and they need to have, um, they need to have the right mindset, hopefully, and the right, yes. the right, the right experience with those conversations. Uh, right. Denisha, if you could do one job for one day, what would it be and why? And if you could do one job for one year, what would it be and why? Wow. Um, if I could do one job for one day, it would be something like, you know, you know, the History Channel or or National Geographic, where they. They show you the flower that opens and the bee comes and they speed up the, the, the video, right? I want to be the person that's recording that flower. Like I would like for, <laughs> I would love for my life to slow down a little bit and just watch a flower bud open or watch birds. I, I would love to be a bird watcher and record data on that one thing that's happening. So if I could do that for a day, that would be amazing. Um, if I could do a job for a year, interesting. I, I think I would want to um, either a, a secretary of education or like I would want to go to the 
to the to the to the core of the decision making and watch that over the cycle of of 12 months and see what what is really going on <laughs> when, yeah. when people are making decisions for our sweet babies you want to be in the room where it happens see yeah. i think i think you need to watch hamilton in the room where it happens right <laughs> I'm you know, that's, I'm, we're, we're going back to it. We're going back to it. You need to watch the movie, uh, The Biggest Little Farm. Um, okay. if, if you like, there's this couple in California that bought this land that was just deteriorated and they have built the most amazing farm and the most amazing documentary. The, the husband is a former like videographer and the just the cinematography, you're talking about bees and flowers absolutely amazing absolutely okay. absolutely amazing uh denisha i'm going to close this podcast out by passing you the microphone what do you want to say to all the aspiring leaders assistant principals and principals that listen to the show the microphone is yours okay i'm going to give you advice that my mother gave me to thine own self be true um and she did that's not her quote we know that but she she loved it be true to who you are and where you're supposed to be will happen um, don't, don't know who you are. I mean, do know who you are and don't force yourself into being who you think other people need you to be. Be your authentic self because the children of our country need you and they need you in your very best. So just be true to yourself, be true to your beliefs and let that guide every step that you take because there are so many other variables out there that will try to shake you, politics, whatever. You, you can name that, you know, we, all of us have our own list. If you know who you are, you, um, you move through life gently and, um, and where you're supposed to be will be, you'll be there. So I think that's what I would say to any educator who needs my words. <laughs> I love it. I could not agree more. I see... I see a round two on the podcast with you down the road. Maybe in a year, we're going we're gonna to have you back on because there's some more things that I want to talk about. I have absolutely sure. enjoyed our conversation. Denisha Presley, you're, you're just your energy, your mojo. I think that vision of education, I know that you are, you are bringing it and crushing it for the kids and the teachers and the, uh, and the families and the community where, uh, where you work. So thank you for showing up every single day. We know the job is fun. We also know the job is challenging. So, uh, so thank you for all that you do. Everybody listening, thank you for all that you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.